Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dean Mizutani. That's Tom Schreier, as always. Here we are Wednesday. Um, I'm actually getting back from Hawaii. I got it back yesterday. And as Tom was saying, I timed my departure mm-hmm. perfectly. Um, I think I missed all the sub-zero temperatures, and it was like a balmy 30 degrees when I when I got there. Um, at the airport, just, yes. just to disappoint all of us, what is the uh, what was the average temperature in Hawaii when you were there? Uh, it was seventy eight and sunny. Um, yeah, I actually had yeah. a couple days where it was a little cloudy, so it was really tough Oof. out there. Oh man, yeah, that is rough. I'm glad you missed it. It was not uh, it was not the finest Minnesota weather. Although weirdly, like if any game you kind of want crazy conditions, it'd be in Lambeau. I mean, I suppose the the Vikings don't want that, but like for the mm-hmm. mystique of it, right? Going in Lambeau Field and seeing the breath of it. This is going to be, and I can get into this more, but it's going to feel like the Buffalo game, at least in the sense you're in an old historic stadium, the wintry mix, the famous mm-hmm. wintry mix. Um, yep. And uh, and to be honest with you, I was looking at this. So the, you know, the Packers are favored by four, right? So like Vegas expects right. them to win. The Vikings have been favored in every game, except for Philadelphia, Dallas, uh, Detroit, in Detroit. Um, and the Buffalo game. So if we want to look at this super reasonably, we're talking two blowouts. Depends on what you think of the Detroit game, but like a tough loss in front of a, mm-hmm. a you know sold out crowd or whatever. And a miracle. So I do think people need to like, I know like a month ago, my thought going into this game was this is maybe a full circle moment. We've talked about it endlessly on the podcast where the, the Packers kind of put the Vikings out of their misery last year. And, the Vikings could return the favor this year. Now I think we have to go in the expectations that they have to like steal a game. I think the Packers are, are legit. And, and it's, it would be very, very funny if in a year where history shouldn't repeat itself and has for the Vikings, they literally just play the Buffalo game again. (laughs) But I just think those are the expectations you have to go in. Vegas is often right. So um, those are kind of the expectations you have to go in with. For sure. Just for people wondering, 36 is the high, 29 mm-hmm. is the low in Green Bay. So it's going to be the conditions. Um, you can never put 
some wintry mix arriving over the weekend out um, out of the realm of possibility in green bay so it's going to be cold it's not going to be the comfort of a a dome or an enclosed stadium that the vikings are used to playing in and, and, and winning in but to tom's point the vikings did go to buffalo Earlier this year, the, the weather wasn't quite quite a, a huge. Buffalo, I was going to say, I was gonna, people, in, if anyone no one is from Buffalo is listening to this podcast, but if they were, they'd be like, "This dude was in Hawaii." <laughs> you know, what I mean? <laughs> they've actually got it worse. So yeah, it was like I get because the Vikings, or the Bills played a game at Detroit, obviously earlier this year. But yeah, the Vikings in some ways got fortunate. Did not feel like it in the moment. You know, it was a little bit colder there than it was here. And I, it's still impressive that the Vikings put up what thirty three points in a, right. in a game under those conditions. So I guess I guess the you know the way I'm thinking about it is initially I thought this would be a lower scoring game given it's outdoors and that weather. I think you can expect like there's still this possibility. It seems super unlikely that the Vikings go stomp someone. Like mm-hmm. the weather won't prevent you from doing that. It might be Jair Alexander, whatever you know what I mean. It might be one of the, right. the Packers, put Kenny Clark or something, but. Um, but I think the you know the Vikings need to go in, especially with how the defense has been playing, and expected a little bit of a shootout here, right? Enable Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson, maybe push for that record, and and you know, um, Hawkinson's gonna have to do something. Cook's gonna have to do something. You know, it's like this. This would be more normal than most games this late in the year in, in Green Bay, for sure. And let's just rewind a little bit because, as Tom was saying, like this is not a meaningless game for the Packers quite the opposite. Actually Um, the Packers last week needed uh, even like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the Packers needed what some would consider like a miracle, everything happening in their favor for them to even have a hope and a prayer at the playoffs. Yet here they are now they've won two in a row, three, two, I think two in a row, three, three in a row. I have it up three and three in a row. And last week, the giants courtesy of the Vikings, the Seahawks and the commanders all lost. The Packers won. They made up a game on everyone in the wild card race. And now here the Packers are. If they win out, so if they beat the Vikings this weekend and the Lions in the final week of the regular season and the Commanders at any point suffer a loss, the Packers will make the playoffs. So that brings this game kind of into into focus. The Vikings should look at this game, and, and Tom, you're right, they're underdogs. Uh, when they have been underdogs this year, they've either lost or won in a game that they probably shouldn't have. But the Vikings should look at this game as a chance to not only end the Packers season, but assure that you don't have to play them in the first round of the playoffs. Because mm-hmm. regardless of how broken and battered and beaten up the Packers look this season, no matter how dysfunctional that franchise has appeared at times this season, no matter how disinterested Aaron Rodgers has looked at times this season, mm-hmm. I want no part of that team coming to Minnesota on wildcard weekend in a two, seven matchup. I think it's worth noting here. So the Packers really fell apart. It was a five game losing streak and this is from October 9th to mm-hmm. November 6th. And it, you know, again, I know some of this stuff because at zone coverage, we cover both the Vikings Correct. and the Packers. Um, that was like supposed to be the soft spot of their schedule. I'm going to go through the games. I know no one likes this, but this will show kind of where the tiebreakers fall. So lost mm-hmm. against the Giants at the time. You're like, that's devastating. That was in London, I think, for them a week after the Vikings were there. Uh, Giants turned out to be a really well-coached team that overachieved at that point in the season. Lost to the Jets at home. Again, seems like a bummer. If you, if Vikings fans may remember this, I think it was Sauce Gardner 
took one of the cheese heads and was like running mm-hmm. around with it dude the funniest thing ever and then i think someone i'm trying to remember who it was like watson or one of the receivers like knocked it off his head but so that's a win in lambo but again like the jets we've learned pretty well coached really great draft great defense quarterback away from kind of making something happen Perfect. lost at washington again i think anyone who watched the vikings game there was like washington steal one i know it's heineke or whatever but good defense Lost at Buffalo. Obviously, we talked about that game for the Vikings. Lost at Detroit. And then the first win was an overtime win um, against Dallas. And they'd lose the next two games against Tennessee and Philadelphia. So really that weird Dallas game with McCarthy's homecoming. I think Dallas coming off the Vikings win, I think, um, in some ways was kind of a saving grace. But obviously, the the Packers were at a pretty low there. And the aside from obviously how it affected their record, it just screwed up all their tiebreakers. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. there's the Washington in there, there's the giants in there. I think the Detroit thing matters. I guess, I guess it matters. Depends on if Detroit wins the Lambeau in the final week. Um, so I was looking, I think ESPN had them at like a 37% chance to make the playoffs. Um, that is a notable increase from like, I think they had like a 3% chance or something like mm-hmm. that when they were in that downfall. So it's been a disappointing season for the Packers, but it does seem like because Rogers has this connection with Dobbs and um, Watson, and he's not like forcing the ball to like Sammy Watkins or that veteran they had, it was kind of washed. You know, he has this connection with these two dynamic receivers. Um, the, I'm pretty convinced the defense is a coordinator away from being okay. Like you look at Jerry Alexander and so Kenny Clark and some of these guys, Jaron Reed has been pretty good for them. So like they have like a handful of guys that you can kind of build around. And weirdly, like the Vikings were the first team that exposed their defense, right? They went in the season thinking mm-hmm. defense and running the ball. And the problem is the defense got all screwed up right away. And Aaron Rodgers didn't want to run the ball. <laughs> and so, you know, you have you have Dylan, you have Jones, you have good players there. And I just think the Vikings need it. You almost need to think about the Packers like the team you thought they were going into the 325 game week one. You shouldn't be thinking about them in terms of their record because that's why Vegas has them favored. It's it's not just it is obviously the Vikings with a five, you know, plus five point differential and a bottom half DVOA, but like it's it's also like I think Vegas thinks the Packers are good and I don't think they're wrong. And I think it's forever and avoid a letdown or whatever. Like you have to go into this. So if the Vikings sneak one out there, that's an accomplishment. I know I said this earlier, but if the Packers win, it shouldn't be devastating for the season. Like I remember we thought 13 wins was ridiculous. Assuming that the Vikings can beat the bears in the final week, you end up at 13 wins. Even if you Mm -hmm. lose this one, even with the threat that you potentially play green Bay in the first round. Yeah, so it's going to be a close game. It's going to have a playoff feel because Mm -hmm. it is essentially a playoff game for the Packers. Like Mm -hmm. from here on out, the Packers are in the playoffs. Like anytime they lose, it will probably end their season. If they lose to the Vikings, I think, I don't even know mathematically if they can make it, even if they beat the Lions. And I I don't think they can because I think they need to make up a game and a half on Washington because of that tie. (laughs) So the Packers need to win out. and, and, And if they do, uh, then they have a chance, which goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like if you're the Vikings, like, yeah, it's going to be a close game. Yeah. The Packers are much better than they were during that, that mid season lull, but you should look at this game as a chance to eliminate your rivals from, from playoff. Contention. Yeah. And if, if you don't, you're right, Tom, like it's not a season defining loss by no means. Is it? Cause mm-hmm. you're still going to make the playoffs. You still won the North. Like you said, Chicago in the finale 
in a game they might be actively trying to lose and you still win Mm -hmm. 13 games. So it's not a failure from a season perspective if you lose to the Packers and you split with them. Um, I think even at the beginning of the season, we would have said Vikings win at home, Packers win at home. So like if you lose this game, I don't think it's as big of a letdown as it's going to be made out to be because like you said, I think the Vegas thinks the Packers are a good team. You think the Packers are a good team. I think they're a pretty good team, but it's a letdown in the sense you can end them this weekend. You can basically make them go away and not put into any sort of universe, you know, in the realm of possibility that they can come into, you know, us bank stadium three weeks from now. And I think that, that should be your motivation because they, they would be the scariest seven seed out of any of the teams. I think right there. Yeah. Cause I was saying like the only other team I'd worry about a little bit is Washington, given how close Washington, Washington played. Although the weird thing is I and think the, they got the worse. front seven, right? The, yeah. the front seven. I was going to say they might've gotten worse by putting Wentz back in, but who knows? I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of joking, but I'm actually not like, cause Heineke, the thing is if you're a bad team, you want to create high variance, meaning you just want, you almost want to go for broke. Right. And it's like, right. Wentz is supposed to be, I know he's not, but he's supposed to be the steady hand, right? That's kind of what Philadelphia thought they were getting when they drafted him. Um, and, and uh, obviously a really skilled player and, and something's happened since then, but like Heineke just like, I mean, he plays YOLO football, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's you like, can't game for it. You can't game plan for him. And, and I, you know, again, like people will remember the triple coverage you threw into throwing to Curtis Samuel where Bynum hit a ref, you know what I mean? That ref was clearly not in the right place, um, which it's been a very funny ref season for the Vikings, but that might be the worst. Um, yeah. uh, although Shannon Sullivan maybe has something to say about that, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, but I think the Packers are like the most skilled team. You have the Hall of Fame quarterback, even if he's a little bit on a descent, you know, I think people will think of the drop and, you know, uh, whatnot. They have two really good young receivers. And so, yeah, I, I just – you kind of want the two-for-one because as much as we're saying the regular season loss shouldn't be that much of a letdown, it's a colossal letdown if they come into U.S. Bank Stadium and beat you, even in 100%. the form they're in. Because you go back to the fraud narrative or kind of like people waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? Like the other shoe drops when – the rival team comes in and beats you in the first round. I think any first round loss, to be honest with you, is probably disappointing because it may be a close game that they lose, right? And it's an inferior team. After that, you're playing with house money a little bit. I don't think the Vikings are as good as the three best teams in the NFC. And so then you're playing spoiler. You're kind of you're playing Heineke ball. You're low, YOLO every game. But they should win the first round matchup if this is – we're talking a 13, potentially 14-win team right now. For sure. I want to cut there. And then when we come out of this break, I want to kind of dive into deeper, you know, the wild card potential matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the Vikings have a hold on the two seed right now. There is a world in which they would be the three seed. Mm-hmm. If they are the three seed, they might avoid the number seven. They would obviously avoid the number seven seed altogether. Um, but more on the, more on the wild card weekend preview uh, when we come back. There is a world in which the Vikings win the number two seed or secure the number two seed. And so still have to play the Packers in, in, in mm-hmm. the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We teased it like the Packers, at least for me, like I don't want to speak for Tom. But the Packers would scare me the most just because of Aaron Rodgers, just because of the narratives. There are there's a couple other teams that would scare me um, as well. I think to Tom's point in, in segment one, 
the Vikings should be favorites or expected. Your expectation should be win- to win in the first round, regardless of who you play, regardless of who the, who the number seven seed is, or if you drop to three, regardless of who the six seed is. Yeah. If you don't, I, I think all the whole fraud narratives and is this team really that good? Uh, if you lose in the first round of the playoffs, like that narrative will just continue to be perpetuated. Um, and yeah, people yeah. who think they're frauds will say they're right. Um, even though I think kind of the whole fraud narrative is. You can't do it as times. is. Yeah, yeah. You can't do it 11 times. Yeah. But you know, it, you leave yourself open to that. If you lose in the first round, that being said, yeah. like, let's let's like rank these teams tom because and we'll go backwards like who scares you the least all the way up to who scares you the most i will start the team that scares me the least i I think it's the seahawks um i don't know if 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 you're on the same page as me there the seahawks and the giants are honestly about the same but I, i would say seahawks five i think they've were just kind of playing above themselves for a while it's really started to come back down to earth for those guys Geno Smith was a really cool story, but he's probably closer to what we thought he was going into the season than to yeah. what I think was built up to midseason when he's balling. Um, he has the greatest quote of all time still. Like they wrote me off. I didn't write back. Um, but I <sighs> think we're seeing over the final, like the last month or so in particular, like he's fine, but he's not this like guy you're probably going to build around, which I think was kind of the narrative there for, for a couple of weeks in the middle. of this Yeah. Season. I think first of all, between I, I'm with you, Seattle would be at the bottom for me. I think the in- mm-hmm. interesting thing about Seattle and the giants is that they're two pretty well coached teams, right? Correct. Regardless of what you say about Pete Carroll, like he has playoff experience, uh, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And Dayball is one of the best young coaches. And I guess if you're going to put Seattle ahead, I was trying to look up QBR real quick for Geno Smith, but it does, I mean, it does seem like he's coming back to earth. I think to Pete Carroll's credit and to Seattle's credit, they walk away with this season being a win. And I know that sounds insane given how good Seattle's been, but think of like when the Vikings beat them last year and you're like, ah, what, you know, like that never happens, right? Or it hasn't happened kind of in the Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson era. And we were talking about, should they burn it down? They knew they had something in Geno Smith. They knew the difficulties with Russell Wilson, just his weird personality and how he treats teammates where you have to go through like a publicist or something. I mean, the fun, the weirdest thing about Hackett is, you know, obviously Russell Wilson goes over to Denver. Hackett gets fired there. There was reporting that Russell Wilson actually lost the locker room and guys liked Hackett. And if you go back to Green mm-hmm. Bay, going back to kind of this matchup and stuff, our writers loved Hackett. He created the gold zone. He walked around with chains. He was kind of of the Matt Daniels mode, I, you know, I think, where he, like, had some kind of goofy charisma and whatever. Um, sure. And I think guys really bought in on him. Now, I don't – he was not the right coach. They 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 made that hire with the wrong intent. It was, we're going to go grab Rodgers because he likes mm-hmm. Hackett. And Absolutely. the genius with Seattle is that you – I don't know who else was really trading, you know, what, how strong that market was, but they pulled off a heist. And remember at the time it was, you can't trade a franchise quarterback. These guys last longer than other players. I know Russell Wilson's past 32. So probably past his, I mean, certainly past his prime, but um, they won because they knew it. They had Geno Smith and they could keep people engaged with the 500 team. Having said that really disappointing if that's the team that beats you in the first round Um, (laughs) and the giants are almost the opposite where it was like, they made a killer hope, you know, coaching hire 
they don't really have a lot of talent. It was not a great sign for the Vikings defense that after a game where they were all right, granted against the Colts, Matt Ryan, all that stuff, um, Jeff Saturday coaching them, but uh, that they reverted back and these kind of like mostly nobody receivers were tearing apart the defense again. So um, that's why the Giants are scarier. We've seen what they are. I understand kind of the Seattle curse and people think of how the TV package will go, right? The montage of Blair Walsh and all this stuff. Yes. But like, yep. um, but I think the Giants would be more disappointed. Also, the Giants, I think, are a little more of a threat because, you know, I guess Pete Carroll is a chance to outcoach O'Connell, but I, I did worry about Dayball doing that in the Giants, the first Giants matchup. I don't know what it's like when you have two teams going at it again, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I actually think that's closer than I initially thought, but I do, I would put the Giants ahead of, of uh, Seattle. So we're in agreement um, from least likely to most, or from least scary to most scary, Seattle yeah. five, New York Giants four. I'm curious who do you have at three because mm-hmm. I, like th- two and three are kind of a toss up for me. Um, I, I've already said one's Packers just because of Aaron Rodgers. Like he scares yeah. me more than, I, than, than any you, other yeah. quarterback. So we're kind of jostling here. Who, who's your, who, who's the third I guess we can say most least it's in the middle. So this third scariest team that that could potentially meet the Vikings at us bank stadium in the first round. So I'm weirdly going the lions here. I understand for perspective. Again, I think people forget about that first game because they're like, yeah, you beat the Viking or beat the lions, but 45 seconds, the Vikings led for 45 seconds at home. I certainly Dan Campbell is not afraid of the Vikings going back a couple years, right, where they nearly went two um, now. Mm-hmm. We know how he built that up to be his a Super Bowl type game, and, and, and kind of yes. he's certainly kind of laying the foundation and trying to get these guys to believe in golf, believe it that you can beat the other teams in the division. Um, believe that you're like a defense away. I mean, I know that's a pretty big overall because their defense is pretty bad, but like you're a defense away from being something because golf seems good enough, right? And like he has enough weapons around him, and that offense was good enough they could trade. TJ Hawkinson. So um, mm-hmm. I understand the threat there. That was a weird game. I'm not saying the Vikings should have won. That was the game where they stole a touchdown from Justin Jefferson. Um, again, yep. a close call on the sideline, but, um, and also, and again, this is a rule, but there was a forward progress backwards. You know, there's some weird stuff that happened in that game. Um, I'm not saying the Lions aren't a threat. I think defense is a more of a threat to the Vikings, meaning, I think they've learned there's no one really who can cover Justin Jefferson, right? You've thrown veterans at him. You've thrown good young corners at him. They certainly try to scheme him out of games, including the guy Mm -hmm. who does it best, Bill Belichick, right? So their method here is get after Cousins, point of attack, right? And that's not what Detroit does, and that's what Washington does. So take Heineke, take Wentz out of this. Take the fact that it's the stupid Washington organization that just seems like a disaster, right? They have the tools to beat the Vikings because they almost did there. It's a different game at U.S. Bank Stadium. Better playing surface, your home fans, whatever. But, like, I think it's more of a threat because of their defense. I think Washington is. See, I I initially thought Detroit, too. But I think you've convinced me because, like, yeah – Detroit, that game, the first meeting, 45 seconds away from losing that game, the Vikings easily could be 0-2 against the Lions this yep. year. So, like, that was my natural thought process and why I would say they are the second most scary team because they have 
beat the Vikings and they almost beat the Vikings. And that offense scares me. I think there are enough weapons on there. Like if you get into a shootout with Detroit by accident, like you might just lose the game, mm-hmm. but you're right. I, I think you're right. in in, in, in putting the commanders two and in the Lions three, because if you want to stop Justin Jefferson, you can't like you cannot yeah. just you can't cover him and and stop him. Um, we saw it in the Giants game, um, the touchdown at the goal line where Justin Jefferson is getting bracket coverage with an inside leverage, and he still somehow beats that guy inside, beats both guys inside, gets catches the ball at the two yard line, scores a touchdown. Um, the Vikings actually put out a clip about that yesterday. Kevin O'Connell, after Justin Jefferson scores this past weekend on Christmas Eve takes him aside and says out of all the routes you've run this year, that's my favorite Um, Mm -hmm. because Justin Jefferson basically beat double coverage where they were both shading him inside saying like, we're not letting you get inside Um, one head fake outside. He's inside Um, Mm -hmm. all that saying that tangent is to say like, you can't defend him with anyone in the secondary double teams aren't even going to work at this point. Um, The Vikings have found a way and a formula to. Maybe he's not going to hit hit you over the top for the 45-yard bomber, um, but they're going to target him 15, 16 times a game, and, and he's going to pick up chunk yardage that way. The only way to stop Justin Jefferson is, you're right, Tom, to get into Kirk Cousins' face, to get into Kirk Cousins' head, um, to blow up the interior in particular of the offensive line, um, because as we've seen, and, and, and Cousins has been better this year, um, no doubt about it, he deserves credit for, for being better handling pressure, getting the ball away, um, moving the pocket with his feet to evade pressure. Um, but if Ezra Cleveland and Ed Ingram can't, can't hold Jonathan Allen or Deron Payne, like plays just die right there. And then you can't throw the ball to Justin Jefferson if, if the pressure in the pocket is collapsing around you. So that is my way of saying, yeah, I agree with you, Tom, like commanders two, lions three, um, because the defense for the Washington football team scares me more than the defense from the Detroit. I think it's worth pointing out here. So Justin Jefferson's games that he hasn't, he's been contained. Philadelphia got after Cousins in a weird situation where Cousins was actually forcing the ball to Jefferson when he actually should have been checked down. I don't think we'll ever see a game like that again. He basically, when the rush is coming at you, you should just throw to the hot route from the area the extra player is coming. He did not do that for some reason in that game. Then you have um, the Dallas game blowout. I mean, not much. Jefferson was off the field in the second half. Um, The Jets with their good defense, right? Um, I mean, even I'm looking, Justin Jefferson still had 115 yards against Washington, which is incredible. But the Detroit game, season low in, in Minnesota, week three, season high, 223 against Detroit there. So, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's like the one solve we know they have is that they figured out how to get Justin Jefferson going against Detroit. Um, that would have been pretty relevant information though, obviously if, if Detroit had held them in check twice. But I, I think that's what we've learned is, is what you're saying. Like there's just like little nuances to what Justin Jefferson does. There's also something said about a guy who has like can steal the ball out of a defender's hands can take, as long as it's not literally like an illegal hit, he can take a hit of any magnitude, at least from what we've seen. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you worry about something on the shoulder, head, knees, but like, um, I mean, I, I don't know, you run out of stuff to say about him because he's like, I think Harrison Smith said something. Cause like, you know, Jefferson broke the record, I think on his first catch. So this is Randy Moss's franchise record. And they flashed like a quick thing 
on the scoreboard or whatever saying, hey, he broke the record. But it was almost like it almost went unnoticed because the next play happened so soon. And so they ran it back a few times in, in the lulls in the game. But Harrison Smith said something like, he's like, yeah, that's just a game from Jefferson. And I mean that as a compliment. Like you kind of almost, you know, he's making, he, he truly like, again, he's in this Calvin Johnson range, right? He's in the 2000 range. Um, I think, I think everyone's hoping it's a weird hope, but like the Vikings have something to play for in Chicago, right? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise that, that record's going to be threatened. And it's like, again, you go back to best case scenario. It's looking a little bit like a shootout and Justin Jefferson can break the record. And you kind of believe if you can keep it close, even if you're kind of chasing, you know, Green Bay throughout the game, pretty confident they're going to do it. Right. But um, the scary thing is, again, like, probably don't want to get in a shootout with the Green Bay Packers right now. So right. I don't know. Bottom line, incredible player. What what Justin Jefferson done. And it's incredible Detroit did what they did even. For sure. It is funny. I remember we were talking. I think it was on Christmas Eve right after that game about like how close is Justin Jefferson to Calvin mm-hmm. Johnson. I think he needs like 210 to pass him or something. Yeah, something, like that, something yeah. like that. And we were both like, yeah, like it's possible that he puts yeah. up 210 yeah. yards yeah. In, in a week 17 game against the Packers in Lambeau. Like the fact that we're even entertaining that as a possibility I, is, is it sh- speaks to his greatness as a player. I mean, this is why. Packers fans turn on Joe Barry immediately in week one. Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson targeted 11 times, nine receptions, 184 yards. Yeah. And you look at like, now granted, I think Tua was probably concussed at one point, right? He threw those three interceptions late and the mm-hmm. Packers beat the Dolphins. Jair Alexander kind of sneaks up on you. Like it's incredible that this is you. I think he just signed the highest paid corner contract. And it's very funny that like, I, again, I think sometimes these guys overthink themselves. I also think they, Green Bay maybe thought Thielen is more of a threat, right? And we've seen him injured, and we've talked a lot about how he's more in, like, the wide receiver three mode. But, like, they probably overthought it a little bit, but it's incredible that they didn't just stick Alexander on him. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, the, yeah. this this pay, highly paid corner, it's not enough, as we've said. But, like, that's the thing is this is actually one of the most in – in a year where, like, it's impossible to tell what the Vikings will do in any given game, this might be the hardest one because you almost have to throw out most of what was happening with the Packers in week one. Like Rodgers didn't have the chemistry. We actually thought the defense was good. We thought they were a running team. They thought for some reason don't cover Jefferson. I mean, the other thing is Jefferson has to love that Hawkinson did what he did the week before yes. because Green Bay has to take him seriously. He's a really tough matchup. We talked about it. How I was asking him today about running. So he's running routes, or at least he was early in the season in the games before he was doing it in practice. So like you think about all the timing and nuance that goes into it and how much mm-hmm. the coaches emphasize all this stuff goes back to training camp and think of how these guys over prepare for all these games or whatever. Hawkinson was like, yeah, I just saw some other people running it and kind of try to run it like that, but with a little more flair. And you're like, okay, so you're just good. Like I, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? And how, you know, Cousins obviously is productive immediately in the Washington game when he came here. And Cousins has called him a friendly target. Like all this is adding up to, it wasn't just like a, at the time it seemed additive. It seemed like they wanted an Irv Smith type. Smith got hurt again. They were probably disappointed, especially after the Philadelphia drop or whatever. And they they just, need, it almost felt like they were just kind of replacing him. And this almost felt like a bonus when you had Cook and Thielen and Osborne and obviously Jefferson. 
he has become such a necessity. You know what yes. I mean? That's the only way Justin Jefferson gets any daylight is that if you overfocus on him, Hawkinson can can beat you a couple like drops on third down aside. And so yeah, Jefferson had to be watching that game and going like, go get him, guy. <laughs> I gotta want this record. <laughs> For sure. When we come back, we'll dive a little bit more into the Packers. Um, Tom mentioned Jair Alexander. Um, didn't get to shadow Justin Jefferson week one. I don't know if he'll get to shadow him in week 17. I think he should. I think that's your only your best chance of annoying him. We'll dive a little bit more into the Packers um, in segment three. And then in, well, I guess it would be Friday's episode because we're recording a day later. Um, we'll kind of break down more of the Packers kind of from a Packers perspective, um, but a little tease to that when, when, when you come back. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. We're recording on a Wednesday. This will drop Wednesday night, you know, Wednesday after actually maybe it'll drop Thursday morning. Not sure. <laughs> Producer Spencer will figure that out Wednesday night or Thursday morning, but we are recording Wednesday afternoon uh, ahead of the Vikings Packers matchup in week 17. We've kind of taken you through, you know, the, the wild card scenarios, who scares you from a team perspective. But Tom mentioned towards the end of segment two, like from a player perspective, Jair Alexander is a really good cornerback. And Jair Alexander is someone who at least could bother Justin Jefferson theoretically if they're allowed the shadow. Now, when you think about Green Bay, you think about Aaron Rodgers, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. He's the guy who, if he just gets hot, has a game, can take over. And, and he hasn't done that this year, but I don't think it's something where they can come into this weekend thinking like Aaron Rodgers can't just win the game by himself because he's mm -hmm. still capable. He still has that within him. I kind of feel like Rodgers, as I do about Brady, regardless of how bad the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have looked this year, I would want no part of them in the playoffs just because mm -hmm. Tom Brady has that aura about him. I think Aaron Rodgers has that as well. But beyond that, um, I think Jair Alexander is a good person to kind of pinpoint as who could kind of wreck the game from a Vikings perspective. Um, Jair Alexander, top tier corner in the league. His play says it, his money says it. He's not going to be able to contain Justin Jefferson because as we talked about, no one can singularly, mm -hmm. uh, but he is someone who I think could screw up what the Vikings want to do on Sunday afternoon in, in, in Lambeau. Uh, anyone else on the defensive side of the ball? Um, because I have also have someone on the offensive yeah. side that I think is going to make a huge impact. Yeah. And so again, this is just from reading stuff on our site, Devondre Campbell, yeah. old gopher, um, old gopher, uh, and that was a weird pick of him and uh, Rasul Douglas were like two, as much as like they're a weird organization, like Gutekunst is very much of the I'm a scout guy. And like, he doesn't care about like value in the draft or what he just like, will go grab guys. And it hurt him with Darnell Savage. But like, in mm -hmm. terms of these are free agents and I think, you know, maybe a trader picking a guy up from a practice squad, but like he did nail those. I think Douglas is a little down this year, but Campbell, um, who people in Minnesota will be familiar with. Um, Kenny Clark has always been pretty good, and it's always yeah. been like, could they get him help? Um, Jaron Reed, who I'm trying to remember who he was with before, I think it was Seattle and then Seattle. Kansas City. He struggled in Kansas City, and like they really like him and, and see him being disruptive, and that's bad news. Kenny Clark can screw with Kirk Cousins. Jaron Reed might be able to, too. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you're looking at looking at that. And that's the thing is, like, the defense was supposed to be really, really good. So, unsurprisingly, there's a handful of these guys um, 
you know, I think the thing that's hurt him the most is a safety play. Like, I feel like even going back to last year was Amos and Savage, so Darnell Savage um, it would be disruptive when the, the Vikings were playing them. And it turns out those guys have regressed. Rudy Ford is kind of a s- sneaky, like a safety um, who who these Packer nuts who write for a website love and, and claim that he could do something. So if you hear his name, I mean, that's a guy who's who's a depth mm-hmm. guy who's kind of showing out. But yeah, it's unsurprisingly, they have talent on the defense. Again, I think this is more Joe Barry's had a tough season. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's kind of more the coordinator. And, and obviously, Vikings fans can identify with knowing a handful of people on the defense mm-hmm. and being a little upset with the coordinator. So, um, so yeah, you know, I think there's a handful of these guys who are disruptive on the defensive end there you list those names and like, you're right. Like we looked at this Packers team at the beginning of the season. And I think what you said earlier in, in the show is, is a good point. Like you should look at the Packers as the team that you were preparing for in week one, more mm-hmm. than you should look at the Packers as a seven, eight football team, scrapping to make the playoffs, like throw everything, you know, out the window. Like the Packers have talented players on both the offense and defensive side of the ball, as you just proved by listing, you know, Kenny Clark third, like, you know, Kenny Clark is a guy who's you know dominated the Vikings at times throughout his career. And and we mentioned his name after Jair Alexander and Devondre Campbell, who's been really, really good for them. So you're right. They, they have a lot of talent on, on the defensive side of the ball. Again, to your other point about Joe Barry, it, it might not what matter how much talent they have if they're not being maximized um, yeah. this weekend. I think that's just something that fundamentally will need to change this off season. Um, but it, talent is there. The talent is there. And, and sometimes individual players can make plays um, that change the course of a football game. I um, mean, the Packers certainly have those players on, on defense. Um, worth noting Preston Smith still there and Devonte White's a rookie um, who mm-hmm. it drafted over age. They're not like super happy with them, but there's guys there. You know what I mean? Like they have guys, I guess is the point. This is an anonymous defense, even if they acted like it sometimes. On offense though. The guy who scares me the most is Christian Watson. And mm-hmm. I know he didn't mm-hmm. practice this week, but like Christian Watson should have scored a, tw- a 75 yard touchdown on the first play of yep. the year. He burned yep. Patrick Peterson. That was back when I thought Patrick Peterson wasn't very good anymore. And he's completely <laughs> wrong. Like he's, he's still a very good player. Um, yeah. And he, he's extended his career as we talked about um, in the post game show on Christmas Eve. Um, Patrick Peterson's been great. But on the first play from scrimmage of the new of this year, back in week one, Christian Watson just ran a nine route right behind Patrick Peterson, got mm-hmm. 20 yards behind him and dropped the ball. Um, he's bounced back very, very, very well since then. I think he's re-earned the trust of Aaron Rodgers, and he's proven mm-hmm. that he can be kind of a big play threat if you get the ball in his hands. The Vikings have gotten beat over the top a handful of times this year. I know that Ed Donatel defense is rooted sure. in high to low, nobody over the top. If someone can take the top out of this over the the top off of this defense, it's Christian Watson. Watson's scary. I mean, it also doesn't help that the Vikings could have drafted him. That he was an MBSU guy. You know, he can go go that whole route. But yeah, I mean, it's it's you look at kind of the three guys they have, right? Watson, Lazard, who people are going to be pretty familiar with, and it's kind of settled into the role that he was in last year. I think he was Mm -hmm. overextended as anything more than that. And then Romeo Dobbs, who like for a guy who was a fourth round pick, I think, out of Nevada, like there were high hopes coming out of the camp. So this goes back to, again, like Watson, 
wisely has not been defined or has not defined himself by a mistake he made in the first game. Um, Dobbs had an injury and he's back. So, you know, this, yeah, this is why we're talking about the receiving core being scary. There's three legit guys there. Um, no Devontae Adams and no one quite like him, but a guy who can take the top off the defense and Dobbs, who's I think more meticulous in terms of route running and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, it's it's a little like the defense where when you actually look at the depth chart, you go, oh, I can see why Vegas might be kind of pumped about this team right now. Right. And if you remember, the other receiver within the division that the Vikings just handed over to, mm-hmm. to another intra, intra-division team, Jamison Williams, yeah. he got behind the defense. Granted, Harrison Smith did not play in that game, yeah. but he got behind the defense a few weeks ago, scored a long touchdown seems only fitting that that Christian Watson's going to do the same at some point, considering the Vikings, like you said, could have drafted him, traded the pick to Green Bay, Green Bay picks him, and now the Vikings have to deal with him for the next decade or so. So he's a guy that scares me. And then obviously you have Aaron Jones and and, and A.J. Dillon. A.J. Mm -hmm. Dillon, who's been really disappointing to this point, but has Mm -hmm. really started to kind of round into form over the last month. Um, I think people expected a lot more out of that guy. Hasn't been, I guess, from a fantasy football perspective, that's where a lot of people – saw his value this year like yeah he hasn't performed to that he's still a good running back that you're gonna have to deal with and the change of pace between aaron jones who can kind of carve you up and catch the ball in yeah. the backfield and then just the monster that's aj Dillon, quadzilla quadzilla that's gonna be yeah. kind of a nightmare for the vikings to deal with so when you hear it out loud like when you you're listening to this podcast and you hear like all the players green bay has and on offense and all the players green bay has on defense like it, it does make sense that they're favored at home yeah regardless of record because as they've proven over the last three weeks like they're still a good team they beat the teams they need to beat um now they need to beat the vikings on new year's day i mean i i, I don't know which way i'm gonna pick yet but like they're right there with, with the vikings and that's yeah. why they scare us no, and I think, I mean, obviously, as you get closer, it's easier to pick because you know who's playing or whatever. But right. I, the way I see it, I think it's honestly going to either feel like the Detroit game. Like, you could see a 35-27, which would be weird. It'd be weird if the Vikings – so the Vikings' only game they've won by multiple scores is that first game against Green Bay. Right. And the way I saw it, it's like Watson brings that in. That's a touchdown. If they – weirdly, LeFleur took the ball out of Rodgers' hands on fourth and one. Again, fourth that's like one. – yeah, then that's kind of when the Vikings like established this like bend no break doesn't matter how many yards we give up we got art you know mm-hmm. or whatever but like that game felt actually a little bit like a one score game to be fair I mean it was a stomping in Philadelphia but you're like man if if you got what Kirk is now like that felt like that should have been closer you know what I mean so it shouldn't be that out of the realm of the possibility that like they could potentially lose a one score game or be in another one certainly, but I could see like a 35, 27 where like the Vikings mm-hmm. just don't finish drives and the Packers do, you know? Um, the other thing you got to be wary about there is in a close game. We've seen how the refs have affected the Vikings. People can recall that that is the biggest advantage you have at home. I mean, I know it's your own bet. I know like there's um, there's the noise and obviously it affects the quarterbacks, mm-hmm. but there's studies been done that like it's actually across sports, the refs, not intentionally, but they don't want to make a call, a 50-50 call against the home team, given the reaction you get from the fans. It's like a natural human thing, right? Yeah. So it's like, this is the other thing is like the Vikings going to need a margin here. I know I've said it all along, but like this is a game where the refs could screw you because it's Lambeau Field, because they're going to show out for this game and because of kind of how the mind works, right? But it's like, I either see it being like kind of a 35-27 type game or like, I mean, I think it's almost impossible for this to happen, but I guess the other way around that is 
it feels like Buffalo. Like it's, you know what I mean? It's like 35, 32, and the team does it again. And we all go, this is ridiculous. It shouldn't happen. And they go veteran leadership and calluses and every game's a playoff game. And you're like, okay. <laughs> you know? so, either way, it's probably going to be a very weird result, I guess is what I'm getting at. We can only hope that it's another crazy result that the Vikings come out on top on New Year's Day. So we can hear another Tom Schreier metaphor about I planes and FDA yeah. and landing and hitting buildings and, 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 you know, landing at MSP with no wheels. Like if we get another game yes. like that, it will clearly break Tom's brain and we'll get to hear another metaphor on Sunday afternoon, Sunday night. So. No, the Vikings definitely broke my brain. Fortunately, I'm driving to Green Bay for obvious reasons. It's, <laughs> I think door to door, it's actually like quicker to drive. Uh, mm-hmm. But I am a little worried getting on that flight to Chicago. They might be like, we know who you are. We know who you are. <laughs> you got to get off the plane. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'll leave it there. When we come back on, it'll be Friday's episode. Um I will be talking to someone from the Green Bay market. Um, We'll break down kind of more the intricacies of the Vikings Packers game. Uh, Me and Tom just kind of went big picture. And then we'll be back with you on New Year's Day to kind of talk about whether the Vikings pulled out another miracle or if the Packers playoff hopes are still alive. Um, If you like what you've heard, give us a follow inside purple and gold or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're also on the Odyssey app. Um, But for Tom Schreier, I'm Dane Mizutani. Thanks for listening. We're signing off. Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company.